Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast with your host, Matt the Family Guy, Kent the Cat Guy, and me, Greg the Single Guy. We are recording episodes from around the globe to tell you about the best kept secret in education. That's right, it's teaching overseas. We're glad to have you join us. Contrary, contrary to what you see on my YouTube channel, I actually tend to ramble quite a bit. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm going off in the willy wax somewhere and you need to get me back Oklahoma. on course, Oklahoma. <laughs> Listen, our audience would rather hear from you than us. All right, Greg. Uh, you want me to sing the song? Uh, you want to bring us in? How do we do oh this now? Oh, my God. No, don't sing. Don't <laughs> sing. All right. Welcome to this episode of ITP, the International Teacher Podcast. This is Greg, the single guy. Matt, the family guy, is once again away, but he'll be joining us soon. And Kent, the cat guy, how you doing, Kent? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Great. And our new guest is Richard Byrne, and he is famous for the Tech Tools for Teachers. It's a lot of free stuff online. He's a great teacher himself, and we have welcome him from Maine. How you doing, Richard? Good, good. And it's freetechforteachers.com, so if anyone's trying to... Find it out. If you're trying to Google the phrase, it's free tech for teachers. Yep, you'll find it. And it's uh, it's nice and nice and warm here. It's 27 Fahrenheit and snowing. It's a beautiful main day. I'm speechless. I'm, I'm freezing just thinking about it. I mean, in the desert right now, what is it, Kent? Uh, it's 27 here too, but 27 Celsius. It's going to go up to a balmy 50 degrees Celsius pretty soon. And for those of you out there speaking Fahrenheit. That's over about 120 usually it gets here in the summertime. So Yeah, we hit about 80 degrees Fahrenheit here in the, in the desert. Greg and I, are, we're neighbors here in the desert. Uh, I can turn and wave to him, and we haven't seen snow in 10 years. All right, so listen, usually on our podcast, we interview a lot of international teachers and would-be or soon-to-be international teachers and maybe my mom. So other than that, you know, we don't really talk a lot of, of, of people that are in your line of work, but that's why we wanted you on our show because not only are international teachers listening to this, but I think since I've been a follower of yours for years, Richard, and I know Kent is a fan also, but I Huge think fan. international teachers could really learn a lot from what you have to offer online, whether it's webinars or books or websites or tools and all of that. That's what I want to get into. And that was my goal for this interview. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do now? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, what I do now is I write freetechforteachers.com and I also have a website called practicaledtech.com where I offer online courses uh, for teachers who want to learn new, new tech skills to use in their classroom. Uh, my, my mission has always been for the last you know, almost 16 years now to use the tools to create some cool learning experiences for kids. That's the bottom line, right? Like the, the tech tools are there and I want to use them to create some interesting experiences for kids that they couldn't get without the technology or couldn't get uh, without a whole lot of extra work without the technology. And my, my goal is to help teachers figure those things out. And so I, I offer some courses on how to do that. Uh, you know, Kent took one of the courses actually uh, this, this past fall uh, about animated explanations and, and how to make, uh, make little animated videos and animated explanations of all kinds of different concepts. Uh, so that, that's what I do primarily these days. Uh, 
I do some workshops in schools from time to time, and I spend a lot of time taking my kids to school in the morning and picking them up in the afternoon. And, but before that, I got started in education 20 years ago. 20, wow, 20 years ago now. Uh, my, my very first job was teaching high school language arts, and then I taught social studies for a number of years, and I also taught computer science. You seem to be someone who's been around the business for a long time, and you're a young guy. You've got young kids, you're a young guy, but it feels like you've been around forever. When did you start putting it out there, technology, and when did you start, when did you enter the YouTube-verse? Uh, well, let's see. I, in 2007, I started writing freetechforteachers.com, uh, and I did that as kind of an offshoot of a grant-funded workshop that I went to. Uh, my, my school was part of a was part of a, a, a school consortium, and the, we had three different tracks that we could pick from to to kind of study and pursue. And the one that I picked was technology. Uh, and one of the things we had to do was you know write about what we were doing, right? Kind of write about our experiences. And so I started that as a little blog, and then I realized, hey, people are reading this. Uh, much to my surprise, people were actually reading what I was writing. And I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed writing it. And so I just kept on doing it. The YouTube channel, oh gosh, the YouTube channel, I think I started in 2009, but I didn't really start putting an emphasis on the video aspect until about 2014, 2015. Uh, But you, you can go back on my YouTube channel and you'll find things. I think from 2009 was probably when I started the YouTube channel, you know, the actual effort to make a lot of videos started around 2014 2015 and now there's i don't know how many there are 1700 1800 videos on there and 17,000 and change blog posts i've written so oh my god yeah. <laughs> I've that's a lot, lot. <laughs> I, that's mind-boggling i'm i'm confused already that's a lot of videos wow and it's a lot of how to right you do a lot of screen share type of uh walkthroughs yep. on how to use different technologies so people can see you on the screen and they can follow along and stop while they're working on it uh, and watching you at the same time, right? That's the goal of everything I try to do is to try to make it easy to follow. I always think about, you know, I spent most of my teaching career as a social studies teacher, uh, working with other social studies teachers who, you know, we kind of have a reputation sometimes of being stuck in the mud, <laughs> you know, like, ah, we, we teach history. We want to study the, the old stuff. So I always think about, okay, who is the, the grumpiest person in my department who doesn't want to use their computer? And how do I help him or her get going? Or take their computer from them and use an extra computer in your room. <laughs> That's what yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I never did that. Uh, but, you know, that that's what, what I try to think about is, is can I be as practical as possible with this? And, you know, is it easy to follow? And that's why all my videos are short, uh, you know, it's very rare that I have a video that goes more than five or six minutes. Uh, you know, there, I'd, ra- I'd rather have somebody watch two or three, three or four minute videos than try to sit through a 12 minute video because I know by the time we get to the 11th minute in that 12 minute, 12 minute video that they're gone. They're, they're not really paying attention to it anymore. But if I can chunk it out into, uh, into some small sections, that's what I try to do. And so, you know, my videos are really pretty straightforward. I don't do the like share subscribe thing that you know a typical youtuber does Uh, (laughs) and i try to keep my face out of it for the most part because i'm not that good to look at (laughs) what you've got that voice though as you said in one of your videos it's that ray ray romano voice 
I can listen to it all. Ray Romano, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I had never heard that until I gave a keynote at a conference in uh, Nebraska back, oh gosh, this is probably 12 or 13 years ago. I, I keynoted at a conference in Nebraska. And afterwards, everybody came up to me and said, do you know you sound like Ray Romano? I'm like, No. And I still don't hear it myself unless I play it back to myself. So I have a question. Is that the mammoth from uh, Ice Age? That, yes. That's who I'm thinking of? I, I mean, I don't know names yeah. very well for movies, but that's, okay, that's who I can Everybody think of. Everybody loves Raymond. That's some Everybody yeah. loves Raymond. I don't. I yeah. never watched the show. But I will say this, though. For someone who, you know, you don't put yourself, uh, subscribe, uh, notify, I think you're at 45,000 subscribers now. Is that about right? Yeah. Yep. That's you know, about right. part of your persona, uh, Richard, is you're, you're energetic and you're positive. And, you know, you come across, you got this great energy. Do you ever sit around late at night and think about teachers and technology and just kind of kind of cry into your pillow just a little bit? Do you ever have those moments where you're just like, there are some teachers I'm never going to quite reach. How do you stay so positive with this? No, not only at night. I, you know, I've got little kids. I go to bed around 8.15. So that, that's uh, not late at night. But I do. I, I, I do have moments in the middle of the day sometimes. Uh, particularly, you know, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. There's times where I'm like, if I have to explain how to print a Google document one more time, uh, that, you know, I might get a little... A little frustrated, and, and and actually, even that is actually a bad example because I don't mind doing that. In fact, I I, I kind of like doing that because that that makes me feel helpful, right? Uh, it feels like I'm I'm actually helping someone solve their problem. The ones that that, that kind of wear on me sometimes uh, is not teachers. It, it's the teach, teachers don't wear on me. Uh, people who are in schools don't wear on me. It is the business people that wear on me. It's the PR people who have zero experience teaching or leading schools who send me a, a pitch about their next game-changing, revolutionizing app that is total crap. <laughs> and, they try to, and they try to sell it to me as, oh, you should really tell people about this. I'm like, no, it's a terrible product. I'm not going to tell people about it. Those are the ones that wear on me. Every morning when I open my, my email, it is 15, 20 pitches from various PR people, PR companies uh, that, that are trying to sell me on their, their next great thing. And I will say that like once a week, one of those are worthwhile. You answered our email. I can't believe it, Kent. Yeah. You didn't just like throw us into the <laughs> trash like other people we won't mention have. That's true. We're not monetizing anything either, right? P you're, not a, you're not a PR firm. And, you know, and to be honest with you, if it's a company whose founder comes right to me and, and says, hey, you know, I, I was a high school teacher or I was an elementary school principal and I had this idea and, you know, those I, I, I don't mm -hmm. mind. In fact, I, I kind of like those. It's when it really is like someone's hired a big PR firm and the PR firm has outsourced it down to their entry-level person who's never spent time in the classroom, and they're trying to sell me on it. You know, uh, I'll, I'll give you a classic example. This one still burns in my mind from eight years ago. Uh, someone reached out to me and said, hey, I want to tell you about our product. And I'm like, okay, great. It's been developed by this famous person. Mm -hmm. I will keep the name out of this famous person 
who I had not, I did not know was famous, right? Like, what's famous to you? You know, I'm a 44 year old man in the United States. My perception of famous stu- ended around Kurt Cobain's death, right? Uh, you know, so if it happened after the grunge era, I probably don't know who they are. But anyway, uh, and they said to me, you know, you know, this is going to be great. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, all right. I'll, I'll take the call with you. And they started the call with, are you familiar with Common Core Standards? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm familiar with Common Core Standards. You don't need to explain them to me. Like, did you spend any time reading what I write? Did no, they did nothing. They did I, nothing before talking to you. That's the thing that, and I actually wrote it, wrote a long blog post about it and put it on LinkedIn, uh, you know, eight years ago. You could probably find it if you want to. And I called it Stop Talking Down to Teachers. And Good it was, it was, I think I've read that one. Yes. Yeah. It was based on that PR firm that started out with, are you familiar with Common Core Standards? I'm like, duh. Come on. Like, know your audience. Uh, those, so anyway, that's my rant. That's yep. my rant about PR firms and how they don't know their audience. And that's what grinds on me. It's not, it's not teachers. It's not answering the same, it's not answering the same question about, you know, printing Google docs or, you know, any of that stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's the, it's the business side of, of, of the ed tech landscape that, that wow. wears on me after a while. Well, I tell you what, every week, uh, one of the things that's kept me going over the years and I've been in different countries. So has Kent. And where we go some schools, they don't have a whole lot of budget for tech or they aren't willing to pilot something until they know it works. You go off on your own. So a lot of free tools are what I have relied on over the years. Your newsletter basically is the greatest thing in the world. I don't even have to go looking up to see what you're up to. I get an email dumped in my mailbox with thousands of other subscribers. About every week you send one out and it has three or four tools that you're investigating. And then it has a little link to a video you've already done in the past and you're revisiting or they've upped it or they've changed it. And I love that because it's the work is taken out of everything for the teacher because it goes right to their email box and they can decide whether or not they have time to see what you have and then go visit your website, et cetera. I love that. Yeah. Well, th- thanks. Yeah, I, I try to send that out every Sunday Sunday evening Eastern time. Uh, so if you're in the U.S., uh, if you're in other parts of the world, it might be Tuesday morning. Correct. If you're in New Zealand, <laughs> uh, it might be Tuesday morning when, when you get my email. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I write it uh, every weekend. Uh, spoiler alert, I actually write it on Friday morning. I send it on Sunday night. Oh, you spoiled uh, it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so... It, I don't actually write it on Sunday night. Uh, Sunday nights, I try to, you know, hang out with my kids and get ready for the week. Tell us a little bit about your kids. You have drawings in the background. The people listening to this cannot see you, but we can see in the background you've got some stuff on the wall there. Kent, what are you laughing about? They're lucky they can't see you or me. So let me tell you, as we're as we are recording this right now, tomorrow I'm flying to Chicago to speak at an event. And my daughter, my, my six-year-old for Christmas, uh, made me, those of you who are listening, you're not going to see it, but everybody else will see it, uh, this carry-along picture book. <laughs> she made this for me for when I travel. And it's pictures of our family uh, that she put together for, for me for Christmas. And, you know, to carry along. Lots of pictures yeah. to carry along. And so... Here's another little part of my, my life that people don't expect from my YouTube or from anywhere else. 
is that I carry along a notebook everywhere I go for ideas and kind of my daily plan of what I'm going to try to do that day. And so I put my little carry along picture book in, uh, in, my, in my notebook and, and take it with me on trips. I thought you'd be carrying an iPad. Kent and I are both such techies that we, we tag along with iPads. I would never even carry a notebook anymore. It's just cra- crazy, I know. I mean, a lot of techies have notebooks and write things down, but it is quicker with a notebook. I just fell in love with my iPad. It, it's, quicker with a no- it's quicker with my notebook. The other thing that I like about it is it, I have stacks of them going back for years. Uh, on my bookshelf... So I have, I'm, looking, I'm reaching up, you guys can't see it, but I'm reaching up to my bookshelf. I have one, two, three, four, five, six of them that I've filled out in the last year uh, Holy cow. with notebooks. I, I also use unlined paper uh, because I do a lot mm-hmm. of kind of mind mapping type of stuff uh, and, and a, lot of, a lot of that. So yeah, so my, anyway, my six-year-old, I have a six-year-old who's in kindergarten and she's just learning to use her Chromebook right now, kind of kind of cool. Uh, and I have a five-year-old who is in preschool and is very ready for kindergarten right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old, and my my partner is uh, is employed in the medical field, and most of my day these days is spending time. With I shouldn't say most of my days, but a lot of my time every day is is with my kids. How do you describe yourselves when uh, Uncle Larry calls you from Idaho or Iowa and says, "Well, what do you, what, you know? What do you do again, Richard? What what do you tell people?" What do I tell people? Uh, it kind of depends on on when I'm asked at the time, but I will say that primarily I am a technology consultant. Uh, probably the, the, the quickest way to, you know, if someone asks me on the ski lift, by the way, I teach skiing lessons on the weekend. If someone asks me, uh, you know, what do you do? I say, I'm a, I'm a technology consultant focused on education. Now, what does that look like? You know, that's kind of a catch all. And, you know, that's what it says on my tax return to the IRS. Awesome. <laughs> that, that's kind of a catch all. Really, my goal is help teachers use technology to create some cool learning experiences for their kids. That's the IRS doesn't understand what that means if I try to put that all in uh, in my tax return, though. <laughs> so now, Richard, you are not teaching this year, but you've been a teacher for 20-some-odd years, and you've been doing this as you're teaching, so I can't imagine what kind of a load you're putting on yourself just out of passion for it. In the beginning, you're just like, I want to share this stuff, and you got rolling with it, and you can template a whole lot of it, but still there's a lot of work that goes into it, before you started getting pitched by PRs, right, which you don't like to talk to, not all the time, you know, but not the crazy <laughs> ones. But I, I can't imagine how you just started this avalanche of technology because over 20 years, you've had 16 years you've been doing this. So excuse me. And I think I've been a follower for like 15. So I guess my question, I lost it, didn't I? Kent, what did I just ask him? Your question is, how do you find time for it? Yeah, there you go. Full-time teacher and consultant. Yeah, so let me back up. When I started, I was a single guy with no kids and, you know, all the fun things that go along with being a single guy. For me, that meant, hey, sitting down at night, watching TV and writing. It was really exciting. You know, this 
I started kind of at the the start of the Web 2.0 movement, right? If you go back and you you know Chris Anderson had just written Free, and that was was a big bestseller, and uh, Chris Brogan had had just published Trust Agent, so there was this huge like wave of uh, Web 2.0 things out there and all these companies that were, you know, using that model of, hey, let's just try to get as many users as we can, then we'll figure out the business model later type of stuff. And it was just exciting. You know, it was just an exciting time to see so much stuff coming out. Uh, You know, Twitter got started around that time, kind of, you know, got hooked in with uh, some, some cool people who were not in education, but were in tech. And then started to realize, oh, there's some, there's a lot of crossover here. Uh, you know, the, the idea of turning the blog into something more than just a hobby, you know, kind of came along almost, you know, just from having interactions on Twitter and, you know, just kind of reading a lot of stuff. But the moment that it went, like it clicked for me, I saw something from Robert Scoble, uh, very well-known Silicon Valley blogger. Uh, you know, he had worked, was working for Microsoft at the time. And he did an interview with Pete Cashmore, uh, who had started a, a website called Mashable. Right? Uh, and Mashable, I think, has been since acquired by some other massive conglomerate. But uh, this was, you know, back in 2007, 2008-ish, somewhere, maybe 2008, I, I saw the interview. And he asked Pete, how did you get started? Like, what was the secret to your success? And he said, I locked myself in my room and just wrote about tech as long as I could. I'm like, I can do that. Like, I can, I, I, I can just keep writing about this stuff. Like, and so that's what I did because it was fun and I was enjoying it and, and I made the time for it. Um, you know, fast forward. Fast forward 16 years or 15 years now, and it's a it's a balancing act. It is a balancing act today. Uh, you know, the writing part of it is a little bit formulaic for me at this point. You know, I've just been doing it for so long. I kind of have in my mind, okay, this is how I'm going to write about it. And the actual writing, I can write pretty quickly. Uh, videos take me longer to do, despite the fact that they look really basic. They do take a while to do, and it's just a matter of kind of, I, I prioritize it. You know, there, there are some other things I'd like to do some days. Some days I'd rather just go make a snowball or make a snowman. Uh, <laughs> but it's like anything else. I keep doing it. And at the end of the day, I do it because when I get an email from a teacher, and I'll, I'll tell you, this happened to me Sunday morning. I got an email from a teacher. I was checking my, my inbox. I usually don't check my inbox on the weekends unless I'm looking for something specific. And I was looking for something specific from the ski school that I work at. I needed an update to my schedule for the ski school. And I happened to notice an email from a teacher who had asked me for help with image file formats. She was having some trouble with image file formats. I had made her a short screencast video, replied to her, and I didn't hear anything back from her. And this happens, this this often happens. People always ask me things. I'll send them a little, a little help. I never hear back from them. But this person emailed me back like 10 days later and it was Sunday morning and I read it and she's like, thank you so much. This is perfect. This is exactly what I needed. And I wrote back to her and I said, thank you. That made my morning. Like that sort of thing is what makes my morning. That's what kind of keeps me going is when I get that email from a teacher, it's like, you know, this was the perfect thing. This was exactly what I needed for my class. You know, there was exactly what I needed to solve this problem or do this thing in my classroom. 
that's what I like about it. That's why I keep doing it. Yeah, that's it. You've helped a lot of people here, and you're very serious and passionate about it. So I have a quick question for you. Have you ever helped somebody and done it as a joke on a like on a buddy or you know directed them in a different way? Um, none that I've done to a specific person. However, I will say seven or eight years ago on April Fool's Day, I did publish. No, maybe it's more than that. Maybe it was ten years ago now. I did publish a blog post for a that I wrote up that was uh, for a product that didn't exist, <laughs> and I called and I called it Magic Grade. Magic Grade was going to magically grade students' essays for you. And I, I went on for three or four paragraphs about it. And I, the link at the bottom that I said, you know, try Magic Grade today was a link to the Wikipedia article about April Fool's Day. And, I, and then I shared it on my Facebook page. I got so many people who were mad. <laughs> flat out. I remember one guy in particular was flat out mad uh, that I had written this thing that wasn't true, that was disingenuous, yada, yada, yada. Like, I mean, he went on for, he, I think his response to me was longer than what I had originally written. It was just went on for, and so since then I have not played any practical jokes or tried anything like that because people just get, uh, some people, you know, just, I'll leave it at that. I haven't tried it since then. One of my colleagues for, uh, I think it was right around April Fool's Day, she had gone around all the printers in school and she put down a little sign on each one that said, these are voice activated printers now. So you, <laughs> you see all these people like screaming it, uh, talking into the printer. I'm just like, oh my God. One of the things that I've discovered over the years is the internet behavior or understanding of internet behavior that some people have or don't have based on, and, and I discovered this, based on response, emails I would get from folks about things that I had appearing next to my articles on my website. So there, there's some Google AdSense units on the, on the right-hand side of, of my website. And I, would occasionally, I will occasionally get an email from someone who says, I can't believe you're endorsing such and such candidate. Or I can't believe your website has uh, ads for Victoria's Secret on it or something like that. You know, like, and I'm like, Okay, that's your internet browsing history. That's not <laughs> me showing up in there. Oh, sorry. Let me let me uh, close that screen. Sorry, I didn't realize I had that one open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 you know, I've had some had some incidents like that over the years. Uh, well, you're dealing with a lot of novices, though, right? There's a lot of people learning from you, and and I know it's hard to right. step back and say that. I think it's sort of funny that we. Talk about that, but people don't know as much as we think we give credit to, right? There's okay. there's adults well, let, that don't know that kind of stuff, and it's such another. Right. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Kit. Sorry. Well, let me just jump in on that yeah. note, uh, Richard. How have teachers changed since you began working with them in technology? I will say that the biggest change is uh, willingness to try free things has changed drastically. In fact, I was just talking with uh, my buddy Rushton Hurley. He and I do a little uh, little semi-weekly uh, recording. Uh, we were just talking about the fact that, you know, 15 years ago, people would try anything. 
any, any, any website. Uh, you know, and today there's a lot more skepticism about, okay, what's hap- you know, what's happening with my data? Right? There's a lot more about, there's, there's a lot more of that. There's a lot more. So I don't want to say skeptic. I don't want to say that there's less willingness to try. I think there's more caution. They're uh, cautious. More caution, more, more critique about web tools that, that teachers are willing to try or you know willing to put in your classroom. I will say the other thing that changed kind of on, the, on a similar note is the number of tools that people are willing to try, period, right? Like I've I noticed more and more people like, well, I use these five things. You know, I use Kahoot, I use Screencastify, I use you know, three other products. And that's all I need, right? Like they're really comfortable with those. And beyond that, I'm like, mm, it better be really, really good if I'm going to try it, right? Uh, so th- there's there's that piece. Um, and I'll, I'll say, you know, the other thing that's probably changed a little bit is what we consider to be technology integration, right? And I, I can remember <laughs> looking at, one of my first teacher evaluations when I was being evaluated as a, as a new teacher. And it said, you know, use of technology was like making a PowerPoint. Like, did you use PowerPoint? Yes. Check five stars for you. Right. You know, now, you know, use of technology, I think needs to be more, is definitely more than that. But, uh, you know, people are looking for a little bit more in terms of, did we go beyond? Sorry, something just started beeping Uh-oh. in my office. You know, did, did we? <laughs> oh no, beeping! <laughs> you better check uh, that out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we might need to edit that okay. part. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey, since you guys are in the Middle East, you should be happy. The the oil delivery truck just pulled up too outside my, outside my window. We, we sent, sent him, him there. Over. Did he finally get there? <laughs> We'll take a moment's break now to remind you how to reach out to us. Of course, you can address any negative comments to Kent, the cat guy. We do love to hear from you. If you're out on Facebook, we don't do that, but our handle on both Instagram and Twitter are at ITPexpats with an S, I-T-P-E-X-P-A-T-S as a handle. If you want to, you can send us an old email at internationalteacherpodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit us at our new website at www.itpexpat.com. www.itpexpat.com. Well, back to the show. What I was trying to say is that, you know, now what people are looking for more than just students interacting with a website, but actually building things with a website, right? Or building things as opposed to, you know, in the past it would be, you know, I'll take Kahoot because they're, you know, the behemoth in the room right now. Uh, You know, Kahoot type of things. People were really excited about that six or seven years ago because now now a teacher could make a game that students could interact with. Now it's, I want to go beyond Kahoot, or I want to go beyond that kind of thing, and I want students in the driver's seat. And so I think that's really important, is putting students in the driver's seat, and hopefully more people move that way. 
It's starting to move that way. I'd like to see more people moving that way. You know, if I if I could channel my my inner Gary Steger monologue, I would you know say you know kids need to do things with the computer that you know puts them in control of they're making things with the computer as opposed to they're reacting to things made by somebody else on the computer. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? So you know we're getting into things like uh, you know Construct Three is kind of one of my favorite tools right now uh, for m- kids to make video games that are not quiz-based video games. You know, the, you know, any kid could, I shouldn't say any kid, but you could go on Kahoot and make a quiz-based game, right? Uh, but these are actually, you know, we're getting into role-playing type of games. And, uh, you know, so Construct 3 is one of those that I get really excited about. Or, you know, tools where students are taking an idea that they have for an app and actually building the app and making the app, you know. Uh, that's why I love the MIT App Inventor, for example. You know, and that's been around for a long time. And I remember the first time I showed MIT App Inventor at a conference it was back in 2011. I was in Nebraska, and gosh, I probably had 45, 50 people in the room, and there were like two people who were interested in trying it. And now if I talk about the MIT App Inventor, now, now I can do a whole session just on MIT App Inventor at a conference and I'll get a whole, you know, I'll get 50 people and they all want to try it. That's definitely a, a change for the better, I, I think. Part of the change that I've seen as a tech advisor or a tech person is that the age, right? The age of my age, like in the 50s, and 40s, you see changes going on with teachers interested in tech and hopefully moving towards the students learning it, right? But they have this kind of apprehension about like, I'm not that good with tech. But the cool thing is that as you're getting down to your 30s and 20s, the new teachers that are coming in are starting to grab onto these kinds of ideas and they're going all in tech. And not to mention, of course, COVID and all that time with online learning, there was a big jump in all of the online tools but I noticed that I really love teaching 20, 30-year-olds and coaching them on using different tools because they're the ones that are going to jump right in and say, hey, I've already looked at this. I love it. I want a way to interact with the kids. They mash things together, right? I don't know if you've seen that kind of a trend also, but I definitely think it's the age group that has a lot to do with it because, you know, somebody that's in their 50s, you know, they can minimize the amount of tech they use in the school, right? Oh, yeah. To, to, to kind of follow up on that, I would say I'm fortunate that, that you know, I live and work in a small community and I now have at my, my daughter's preschool, my, my, my daughter's elementary school, uh, there are three teachers in that school who are in their early 30s, I'm, now I'm aging myself, who are in their early 30s who were my students in high school years ago. God, you're and old. And I've had, <laughs> I've had a couple of them say to me, I learned more about using technology from you as my teacher in high school than I did in my courses for becoming a teacher. That's a shame. That's too bad. But not everybody uses tech the way that we do as as techies. I mean, Kent is a very heavy tech person in his classroom. I go into his classroom, and he teaches a lot with uh, multiple tools, and his students are well-versed. I think throughout the years, they come out of his classroom ready for fifth grade. 
in a, in a fifth grade, they're maybe not in a as high of a tech um, savvy classroom, or maybe they are. It's exciting, but I wish everybody was into tech like we are. We, they just aren't, you know. And sometimes teachers just don't have enough time. Yeah. We've thrown so much at them, right? I guess that's where I wanted to go with that. It's it's fascinating to hear you talk about a small little town in Maine. And have you been in Maine the whole time? Like since you, so you. Yeah, I've been in Maine all of my adult life. Wow. Hey, let's ask you some more personal questions. Then, have you ever traveled outside of the states? Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, Let's see. I've uh, spoken to work wise or just personal. Anything you want. I mean, traveled outside the states. All right. I've uh, I've spoken at, at conferences in Australia, all over Europe for various events. Uh, I was supposed to go to an event in Singapore right around the time that COVID kicked off. So that got... I wish I was famous. Kent, have you ever traveled to, to speak to some people, Kent? Professionally, have you ever traveled like he has to go and talk to people overseas? Uh, no, I've traveled to listen to people talk uh, overseas. You been to the <laughs> Middle East, Richard? I have not been to the Middle East. I have been invited a couple of times, and both times it has not worked out. Either for a, a, a well, both times it's been a scheduling conflict in one way, shape, or form. Uh, once was I'd already been booked for something else. The other time was my daughter was being born, so I couldn't really miss that. You know that was uh, that would that would have been a really hard sell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let me yeah. apologize. I don't mean to put you down by saying you know have you been out of the states? I just know a lot of people that live in the states have never left the states except for going down to Mexico. You know, and I didn't mean that. I don't mean oh, that yeah. as a dig on you or anything. No, no, I know no, our no. listeners are I, from a hundred and. I think we have 110 different countries now, Richard. So hopefully you're going to start getting cool. more and more people onto your tech tools and inviting you to speak even, right? We've had some great directors from schools, yeah. and hopefully they'll reach out and they'll say, hey, man, I heard him on ITP, and this is the guy. We need to have him come and talk to our teachers. Maybe we can get our school to get you out here at some point. But that's fascinating that you've been not only just traveling, but you've been overseas with this passion of yours to teach tech. And to, to what's the biggest group you've ever yeah. spoken to? The biggest audience? Oh gosh, in the thousands. I'm trying to think of where the biggest one would have been. Uh, probably in Texas. Uh, Everything's bigger in Texas, right? Probably in, in Texas for the Texas Library Association. That might, might have been the biggest one that comes to mind. There's been some other. Oh, actually, NC Ties, North Carolina Technology. That one's definitely been in the in the over a thousand been, been quite a few that have been well over well over a thousand or, or more I, but speaking of international travel so wow I guess people are actually reading stuff I'm writing moments uh, was back in 2012 uh, in 2012 I would I went to Iceland to ride my bike uh, I went to Iceland to go mountain biking uh, with my, my girlfriend at the time who was also a mountain biker. That's, it was actually kind of her idea to go. Uh, and so we get picked up at the airport by, by our guide for the trip. And he says, Hey, we have to swing by, uh, my house to pick up my wife. She's going on the, she's going on the trip with us. I'm like, okay, great. You know? So she gets in the van. My, my girlfriend at the time was very, very chatty, uh, more chatty than me. And no you know, way. Could, could talk to anybody <laughs> about anything. So it starts talking, and uh, and 
so the the wife of our guide says, "Oh, and Richard, I know what you do." I'm like, how do you know? She's like, "Oh, I've been reading your blog for years." She was an English teacher in Iceland, and she's like, "Oh, I've been reading your blog for years." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh." Kent, does that ever happen to you? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I do want to say that Richard learned really quickly how to ride a mountain bike that week. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, and Jen, if you're listening to this, you know it's still, it was a great trip. Uh, we're we're still great we're, we're still great friends. Uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a great great trip mountain biking in, in Iceland, uh, but with, with an English teacher. Uh, who in the business do you? Do you follow? Do you do you like and and check in on once in a while? Uh, let's see. First name that comes to mind is Gary Steger. Uh, I've been a fan of Gary's for for years. Uh, he's he did some work in Maine years ago. Uh, you know, so Gary's the first name that always comes to mind. Vicky Davis, uh, one of the absolutely nicest people in the world, uh, let alone in the ed tech space uh is a person i i check in with uh beth, beth holland uh who works for an organization called cosin uh, i've known beth for a long time uh one wonderful person uh yeah i, I check in with, with, with them quite often greg kulowick uh lives uh just down the road from me about 150 miles down the road from me uh you know, follow what he's doing if you're into rubrics and assessment Greg's got some cool things going on with his uh, visual rubrics, uh, so check that out. Yeah, those are those are some of the names that that I often often think about. Let me yeah. uh, throw another question at you. Are you a video gamer? You like video games? The last video game that I played was probably Donkey Kong around 1985. <laughs> okay, so you're not—that's a no. You're not Kent. rushing. That's a no. You know, I'm wondering. You know, I'm thinking. I'm picturing uh, a young Richard Byrne uh, growing up, and you're more maybe more board games, more Discovery toys, not so much the Nintendo. Yeah, I, I never had a Nintendo. Uh, the, really, the last video game system I had was ColecoVision. And it, I want to say it was like somewhere around 1985. My mother ran over the cord with the vacuum cleaner and frayed it. And that was the last time I played a video game system. Last, that was the last video game system I had. Not that I'm upset about that 40 years later. Yeah, it was some accident. Accident. Uh, <laughs> have your kids expressed interest in owning video games? No, no, they haven't. Uh, in fact, my six-year-old, she's six. As she will point out, she just turned six yeah. and a half. She's just now learned how to turn on the television uh, with the remote. So, yeah, no, they they really haven't expressed that. You know, my own childhood was spent a lot of it was outside. Uh, a lot of it was spent, you know, building jumps for my bike uh, and jumping off of stuff back before helmets were invented, uh, and I still survived. <laughs> you know? What did uh, people in Maine? Did so, you grow up in Maine? What you said you've lived most of your life I did, there. I did Where not did grow up grow in up? Maine. No, I grew up in I grew up in Connecticut for the most part. Uh, you know, about 250 miles south of where I live now. Yeah, but uh, I've I've been in Maine all my adult life. Uh, I love to f I love to fish. Love to be outside. Still love riding my bike. Uh, I ride a lot. I teach skiing. As I mentioned, I teach skiing lessons on the weekends. You know, my my kids do outdoor stuff. 
more in the summer than in the winter, but still in the winter, they're out skiing, they're out, we, we go snowshoeing. Uh, my six-year-old is really excited about the prospect of going out to look for owl pellets because this is a, I love owl pellets. This is a great time they're of year great. to go look for owl pellets. Yeah, her kindergarten class dissected some owl pellets a few weeks ago, and I, I know some spots where a lot of owls nest near our house. And so after the snow falls, it's really easy to go and find them. Yeah, you know, that's the sort of thing that, that we do. And, you know, geocaching, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, before I turn this back over to Greg, one more thing. What, uh, what do you got coming up? What are some of the things you've been working on? So right now, as we speak on February 28th, I am working on a new course for uh, teachers who are interested in doing video projects with their kids. So I'm working on a new course for that. I'm also working on a new book about search strategies and teaching search strategies to kids. Getting kids to go beyond the first page of Google results and how to really do research and, and looking at research and internet search as a process as opposed to a set of tasks. A lot of what's done with teaching kids how to search is teaching them like, okay, what are the search operators, right? And, and that's valuable, that, that is useful, but it's only a tiny part of the process. So I'm working on, working on developing some more uh, resources about that. Those are the big ones. Oh, is it time for me now? I love the video idea. I mean, we've chosen sort of we video as one of our choices at our school. They invested a little bit in that and school-wide, district-wide, a couple other ideas that they've used. I do like the tools that we've been using. We keep introducing uh, a lot more. Of all the things you've said today, the most important thing I've taken about this from this whole podcast, besides the fact you've only played Coleco back in the day, was... The, the idea of getting it into the kids' hands, right, and the, the teachers that are trying to move the tech into the kids creating and posting and having a platform for that. I love that. Since you're a bicyclist and you've been bringing this up and you've been overseas in many different places, it sounds like, and you take your bike with you, hopefully, if you listen back on our ITP episode 9, we had a guest on there named Graydon Hazenberg, and he's a good friend of mine. We taught together in Egypt, and he bicycles all over the world. And he wrote a book called um, Pedaling to Kailash. I think I said that correctly. The Cycling Adventures and Misadventures Across the Roof of the World. So if he inspires you at all, I wanted to share that with you, Richard, as a guest. You guys maybe connect on Facebook or something. My other uh, comment is I recently got on Facebook and told my kids something about that. And one of the kids looks at me and goes, God, you're old. You still use Facebook? <laughs> you know, it seems like people that use Facebook are our age now that we've finally figured out how to use it 20 years later that everybody's using it, yeah. right? Twitter's gone downhill. I can't believe people are using that anymore now that they've gone uh, through a lot of changes. There's some opening going on there. What do you think are the newest things that kids are using now, especially middle school, high school is where you're at? What are some of the things that you've seen uh, as far as a trend recently? Where I am, the kids are still very much into TikTok. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I find a really interesting uh, regional adoption of various social media yes. platforms. I, I think you know, the, the, there's a lot of that, and here, where you know, my little corner of the world, uh, you know, it's. It's still TikTok crazy, although 
the U.S. government may <laughs> put yeah, an end to that. Of I think they just did. Too I long. They just did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's. Uh, I, I know, like in the state of Maine, for example, they they now do not allow TikTok to be installed on any state-owned wow. devices. So you know that's uh, you know that that's you know a, a change, but uh, but I do still see a lot of kids really into making short short videos and you know I, I still see a lot of kids uh, talk to a lot of kids uh, you know yeah you know, students who are who are babysitting my own children right the thing that they're still into is you know short videos you know whether that's on you whether it's YouTube shorts which is kind of a newer YouTube phenomenon YouTube shorts or Instagram shorts or Instagram reels or TikTok reels that's still that's still the thing. Maybe it's just because I'm not in a school this year, uh, but I'm hearing less of it from friends of mine who are in schools and friends of mine who are uh, principals and superintendents. Fewer of, I'll call them stupid challenges. In my area, there's been a lot of uh, emphasis on educating students about that, which is, you know, the job of all of us. I don't care if you teach, you know, if you teach algebra or you teach phys ed. Uh, so I shouldn't say phys ed that way. Yeah, that's old school. I have aspirations. Yep, that's old school phys ed. <laughs> Whatever it is, I, I think it's part of our our job to you know educate kids ab- about how they're using technology. Uh, you know, and, and part of that starts with with teachers forming good habits. I mentioned earlier, you know, seeing interactions to my Facebook posts over the years, and you know my uh, my my negative experience with April Fool's Day. Uh, I still see things I share on Facebook sometimes or things I, uh, you know, things I email. Sometimes people reply to my emails thinking they're forwarding it to their friends. Uh, that, that happens fairly often. And I will see things written like, hey, I didn't watch this video, but you might want to. <laughs> or, hey, I, didn't, I haven't tried this, but maybe you want to. <laughs> like... It's like when you walk up to somebody and say, "This tastes terrible." Here, take, take, try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I I understand that you know they're trusting me that they're trusting that I'm a source of, of good information for them, but still there there's an element of you know before you share it, you know actually watch the video take or it for a before run. you yep. share it, act, you know do that, and, and so I think you know that's that's part of the modeling, right? That it just you know, you got to pr- practice it yourself before you before you teach it to the kids. Um, you know, and, and and I get it. I, you know, I, I get that there's you know times when you're going to share something because it's just like quick and hey, I, you know, my friend had mentioned my friend was talking to me about uh, you know a problem with file conversions and oh, I just came across this file conversion video, right? Like you know, I get that, but. For the most part. I have one story to share with you. This is about my parents. And I don't know, you're a techie, so maybe this has happened to you. And I don't know if I've shared this with Kent before, but I was going down. I'm from Wisconsin. And I was in the summertime. I went home visiting friends. And I went down this river in an inner tube. And I had my cell phone in a, a plastic bag. You know, this is a couple of years back. And, and I, all of a sudden, the phone's ringing. And I open up the, the little pack, put down my beer. And, and it's my mom calling me from Hawaii. And she's like... Greg, I, I sorry to bother you, but I just have a quick question. Um, how do I get my pictures from the iPhone to the iPad? Because I'm trying to share it with the other couple we're with. And I'm, 
and show them on a bigger screen. And, and I'm like, uh, Mom, I can't really do this. She's like, oh, I know. It won't take but a minute. Just tell me how to do it. And I was like, I don't know if you have family members. I mean, it's sort of strange. To be a techie, you have all these yep. friends and family calling you for these tech tips, right? Have you had anything strange like that? Yep. I, I have family members who ask me questions like that. While you're on the uh, ski hill? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, have an, I have an uncle who will occasionally text me to say, hey, I have a tech question. Can you call me when you get a chance? Uh, you know, my mom does the same thing, uh, and I have some other family members who will who will do that. They, they've inspired a couple of blog posts over the years. <laughs> Basically, if you ever see me write a blog post about password security, or you know, running running updates, it's probably been inspired by some member of my extended family. I'm just sitting here <laughs> nodding, agreeing with you. It sounds exactly <laughs> like my household, right? Oh man. Yes. Kent, uh, we, we didn't talk. You know, one thing I forgot to mention, Richard, we wanted to know if in your travels, have you had any customs or any police stories that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, awesome. I will. So for a number of years, I, I was doing a lot of work in Alberta. That there's uh, Canada, right? Yeah. Yep, in Canada. Yep. And one of the, one of the schools I was, school districts I was working with, or school divisions, uh, was in pretty fairly far north, uh, about five hours north of Edmonton. And I, from, because of where I live and where airlines go or don't go in the geopolitical landscape of that, I used to have to fly from Maine to Arizona <laughs> to Edmonton <laughs> and, then and then take another little flight further north. Okay. Yeah. So I really like went to every corner of the North America to get there. Uh, so long story short, I, I get into, I get into the Edmonton airport late at night, like around midnight. I had a cold. I'd been flying at that point, been traveling at that point for like 18 hours. And I get there and I go to customs, and I've been to Canada many times. I have many stamps in my passport going to Canada. And they say, uh, you, know, what is your, you know, what is your purpose in Canada? I say, well, I'm, I'm going to work. And they say, oh, well, what kind of work do you uh -huh. do? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to work at a, at a school division to, to do a workshop for a few days. And the school division is right near the oil fields. Uh, right, right near the oil fields, which at the time were booming in production, as you probably are familiar with, uh, with oil fields. Uh, and so, and, and at, at the time, I was in my mid thirties. I was in my mid thirties and still looked like I, I could probably pass for my late twenties at that point. So I kind of looked at the part of someone who might be going to work in the oil fields and is telling a story. Uh, so, long story short, I get sent to this extra room. And they say, well, you know, again, go through the whole thing. Do you have a contract? Can you show us the contract? I'm like, yep, here's the contract. Da, 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 da. And they put in my passport uh, a little stamp, a little uh, exception as a performer. They, they labeled me as a performer. <laughs> so I have, I have the same designation 
that uh, you know that Mick Jagger would get coming into Edmonton, or you know Britney Spears. I get the same designation now when I go to Canada as a performer. Yep. Uh, so that, that was and a good one. You got to bed around three a.m. Uh, after be- doing your performance in the back yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was late. It was it was well well past midnight when I finally got to the hotel. And the worst part of it was I had to get up and fly the next morning to get the rest Again. of the way there. Uh, so I, I got there with like two hours of sleep uh, that night. So that you know that was a that was a customs one. Nice, uh, nice. He Thank still you gets for phone calls that. from Cirque from Cirque du Soleil. Still gives him calls. Checks right. in on him on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of performers, one time I was at the Bet Show in London, uh, great great tech tech event in London, and a, a friend of mine who's who's in the the ed tech space as well uh, was from London originally. He didn't live in London then, but uh, he, he took me took me out to show me some places and through you know seven degrees of Kevin Bacon and knowing so and so and so and so. We end up at a at a at a party at a house party, and the house is owned by Sting's son. What? Okay, <laughs> yeah, it was just like this little house, just like this little townhouse. I'd call it a townhouse, uh, little house, and I don't know how many people are there. Like, felt like there were about a hundred people crammed in there, which for me at the time would have been like one third of the population of the town that I live in. <laughs> uh, and I and I. I started talking to this woman who was just standing there next to me who looked equally out of place and out of, you know, uncomfortable in this, this environment. And we leave, and my, my friend says to me, do you know who that was? I'm like, no, no idea who that is. He goes, oh, she's proper British pop star. I'm like, who is it? Like, Sophie Alice Baxter. I'm like, what? I still, I, I, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, she's yeah, famous. Yeah, I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, she's like the yeah. Kelly Clarkson of the UK. Like, I, I was still stuck either. on the fact that it was Sting's son's house, right? Big Sting fan, yeah. Yeah, like, what no, a small world. That, yeah, well, you're, so, you know, that you're a performer, yeah, so, so you, you're, you're going to start running into people like this all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right, start, right, yeah, yeah. You know, Aerosmith is going to call you and say, "How do we put our video onto uh, TikTok?" You know, we don't really know how to do that yet. And, and how do be, we get into Canada? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't recognize famous. <laughs> like I said. It, Unless they were a grunge star in the '90s, I don't recognize famous people. Like you, you've pretty much got to be the president or in a grunge band from the '90s for me to recognize you. I've been on so I've been on so many flights where I've been like, there's been someone famous, someone famous on the flight, and I have no idea that they're famous. Uh, once talked to a guy who was in Lord of the Rings on a flight, and. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name now, but I, I afterward, you know, I was just chatting like, "Oh, what do you do?" He's like, "I'm an actor or whatever," and uh, like, I had no idea. And I told a buddy of mine who's really into Lord of the Rings, and he was like, "You didn't get his <laughs> autograph?" Like, no, it's not about the no. autograph, right? Like, like, I don't know. I'm like, he, you didn't get a picture. Like, I don't really no. care about stars either, but I tell you what, I have one quick one, and that was when I was in Australia, and I went there just for my 50th birthday, like a present to myself to go diving and. And I'm sitting in this hotel on Christmas morning, and I ran into the lead singer from the Little River Band, the original Little, Little River oh, cool. Band. And he's like, he's yeah, like, yeah. I, do you know the Little River Band? I said, yeah, the Albatross is my brother. He's like, that's my song, Cool Change. I wrote that. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> cool. It was so fascinating to meet him and, and his girlfriend or, or wife at the time, his partner at the time. 
and it was just fascinating. But I just had a picture with him, and that's it. Boom, done. You know, it was great to meet him. I, I yep. shared about two hours worth of just back and forth, a couple rounds of drinks with him. It was a great guy. And just they're, they're people, yeah, too, cool. sometimes. Not all the time, right? I don't know. He's somewhere on a yeah, cruise ship I, working. Know, I've never I've never had a run-in. I've never had a run-in with someone who was famous and was like a jerk about being famous. Uh, I, oh, I was, here's a funny story about famous people. Woody Harrelson. Famous for Cheers, White Man Can't Jump, oh, a whole Zombieland. bunch of stuff. Zombieland, right? So he was on a flight that I was going to to Pittsburgh a while back, uh, pre pandemic, and he was sitting right in front of me, like right in front of me, and he got up to go to the bathroom, not wearing any shoes. <laughs> the airplane bathroom is not the place to go barefoot. <laughs> well, like, if he's listening to this, that's not water on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for Twinkies. <laughs> oh man, you have some great stories about travel, and you're you are famous. I think you're famous in the IT world. You really are, and I, it's shown by your following, and well, it's shown by your hard work over so many years. I think the international teachers that listen to this, the the other teachers that listen to this, and my mom listening to this, they're gonna be pleasantly surprised at the backstories of your life that you've shared with us. It gives you a, a little bit of a human face to all these techie things that you do for us. We see you on your videos and it's like, oh, there he is again. But now we get to see the side of life that you're sitting in this, you're freezing in this main historical freezing, place, yeah. right? Cold right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Kent, do you have any wrap up stuff or any more kind of questions no, before we I just, turn it over? I want to thank Richard. You've You've been fantastic to visit with, and I really enjoy your stuff. So thank you, Richard. He's going to have to turn on his heater. Well, thank yeah. you. It was fun. You, know, you need to get your heater going. Do you have any last thoughts for us then from the windy, cold part of Maine? I guess last thought would be you know, if you're looking at any kind of new technology, think about how your students can use it to do something that they couldn't do before. You know, think about... What kind of cool thing can they do with this technology that they couldn't have done without it? And that's, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to can you create a cool learning experience for kids? That's that's the bo- that's the bottom line. Oh, I don't think we could have said it any better. I'm going to have to steal that from you when I go talk to some more teachers. All right, Kent, bring us to a close. He's usually pretty clever about this. Oh, uh, whoo. Yeah, he's falling asleep, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long day. Hey, by the way, Kent, we just had Richard Byrne on as a guest. Did you know that? I love, I love that guy from the Talking Heads, right? No, he's I not the Talking guy. Heads guy. <laughs> Nobody gets that reference anymore. No, we do. No one gets that reference We do anymore. in the Middle East, yes. Oh, Old men. Well, we've, uh... Richard, thank you for spending time with us tonight. Uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. So thank you. On behalf of Greg, the single guy, Matt, the family guy who's not here, and Kent, the cat guy, I want to thank uh, Canadian famous performer Richard Byrne and <laughs> a side gig in technology. Uh, it's free. Free tech for free teachers. Free tech for teachers. We'll put it in the show notes. Richard Byrne, free tech for teachers. We want to thank you for joining us, and we look forward to following your work and hope we get the chance to chat with you again. Thanks, Richard. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, guys.